It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey, Scott. How's it going, bud? Good. You ready for Good. vacation? Uh, I am. Yeah. I am in T-minus like three hours. Where are you going? Uh, Colorado, the beautiful state of Colorado. Colorado, or as they call it, Rado, where the where the beer flows like wine, and, and the women flock. Oh wait, like so, the swallows of Capistrano. Who calls it that? Rado. Yeah, uh, yeah, like all the the hippies and the not hippies. That's about. That's not it. It's uh, the <laughs> I don't know the the crunchy mountain people that live out there. I've never like heard. hey bro. I've never you heard go that. skin in Rado. Rado. Okay. Uh, our guest today, Father Dufresne, how are you? I'm great. Yeah? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Outstanding. I mean, yeah. Now that we've hit point record, good. You watched the prior five minutes, so yeah. <laughs> you is understand it, the difference. Is it recording? It was mystifying. I believe it's recording. Everybody's? We can hear everybody? Yeah. Good. Seems like it. Check one, two. <laughs> Excellent. The arsonist had oddly <laughs> shaped feet. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, you ready for the two-minute drill? I am. Uh, it is, guys, it's Easter Sunday. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Uh, it is Easter Sunday. The Mass of Easter Day is what we're going with. I'm sure we'll talk a little vigil action, but um, <laughs> the Mass of Easter Day. Our first reading comes from Acts chapter 10. What page are you on? 152. Great. There's lots of readings yep. in here for the tritium. Yes. Page 152 in your hymnal. Yes. 152. 152. <laughs> <laughs> lift our arms. That's my uh, new favorite emoji. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the calling for a response. Yep. All right. Uh, so Acts chapter 10. What we get here right off the bat is Peter giving like one of his initial explanations of like, listen, this is who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. He's telling the people, like, he came here, he was anointed by God, he goes, he went out and did good, he healed, he oppressed the devil, he fought. Many people saw this, he was killed. God raised him from the dead on the third day, he commissioned us to come out and preach the gospel. It's a very good, like, summary and explanation of, hi, we're the apostles, it's you. It, it's like the rewind at the beginning of a TV show. It's like you might be wondering what got us here, yeah. and it took it went back and just kind of covered it. How I met your mother, stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, how, how I met the father. How I met the um, father. <laughs> That's good. That would be a better show. <laughs> we should. We should stop recording. We should maybe do that. Let's produce that show. Just copyright it right now. Yeah. Cool. What would we call it? How I'm. The chosen. Oh, oh. shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I get to meet Jonathan Rumi tonight. Oh, you do? Yeah. That's true. Back to That's the readings. Awesome. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesus. That's Jonathan Rumi. TV. Yeah. TV Jesus. All right. 
Uh, the sponsor of Psalm, it's Sunday, so we got to go full banger on a Sunday. All but right. this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I've heard that one. We're for sure going to get some horn sections this on this Sunday. Oh, yeah. It's going to be very exciting. Um, uh, our second reading, we had two choices. Father chose Colossians. Uh, cha- good choice, good choice. Yeah, Colossians. Ooh, Colossians chapter 3. Got it. Yeah. Um, it starts right off with a little if-then statement. That's what we're going with. It's like a, a formula in Google <laughs> Sheets right here. Um, if you're raised by Christ, then you're foc- he, he po- focuses on this idea of like, then think about what's above. That's what you need to be paying attention to. Not what's here on earth, but what is above, what's to come forward. Um, because now that Christ has come, you've died, and Christ has risen for us. Um, and when he appears, it'll appear in glory for us as well. Mm. We do have a sequence too. Do you want me to? Should we chant the sequence, Father? Do you have it in Latin? I, I don't. Chant it you Latin. only know it in Latin? Yeah. God's language? That's good. Keep going. <laughs> do you want me to cover the sequence or read it or no? Do we need to do a, can... se- a sequence alert? Oh, we do. Sequence alert. Yep. We do love a good. We haven't had a sequence in a minute. <laughs> I love We do love alert. a good sequence. I just, it's, it's a great little. A great little piece of the mass. Yeah. Um, that we get surprised by every, every couple of years. It's when everyone starts to stand up and we're like, no, no, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, do, you, do, you, do you guys sing the sequence? We do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or ch- is it chant or sung? Uh, it's, it's usually chanted. We chant, With a guitar? We use, we use a chant setting. Okay. Uh, and then our music director plays the organ wonderfully. So, yeah. Um, and then we have our gospel. Uh, we're going again, choices here, but we're going to go with the gospel of John, uh, 21 to nine. Good choice on his father's choice. Um, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. (laughs) This is one of our favorites. (laughs) He bent down and saw the burial cloths, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in. The one who had arrived at the tomb first, he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture uh, that he had to rise from the dead. I was trying to make it through that, but this is one of your favorites, right? It is absolutely (laughs) one of my favorite gospels because it's the ultimate just troll of I'm going to write one of the most beautiful writings ever written, the gospel of John, but in it, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows that John ran faster than Peter. (laughs) And I'm going to do it three times in the gospel, much like just to remind us that Peter denied Christ three times, probably too. It's a double troll. Yes. Yes. Anyway. All right. I've never focused on it quite that much, but now that you say that, it's, I I think it's just ultimate, like you can't unsee it. Ultimate, like guys busting chops. Like, we we even we we went down a whole rabbit hole around here of trying to come up with a product that could like a t-shirt idea that could like communicate this. We never really were able to figure out just the right thing because there's a lot. But the whole idea that like they get there and John's like beat you. And Peter's like it doesn't matter. Nobody's ever gonna know about it. And John's like oh they'll know. <laughs> <laughs> 
did you read my gospel yet? (laughs) (laughs) Too busy being Pope over here. Well, that's part of it, right? Why does he let him? Why does he let him go in first? It's that because he got scared. You think? I don't know. I think part of that, part of what that communicates, is how important Peter is. Like he's showing deference to Peter. Like, okay, no, you go first. You can be slow and important. (laughs) I think that's what this is proving. Yeah. Did Jeff get anything wrong? Anything we need to? Not that I heard. Clean up. No. Nope, no heresy. Great. I thought I thought it was well done. I haven't been heretical in a little bit. Yeah, so. proud of you, bud. That I mean, at know, least on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you pitching on this weekend? So, Easter is a big weekend for our faith, right? And this, these, the biggest. Well, it is. Can we say that it is the biggest? Yeah. Sorry, um, you're right. Well, these feasts are always the most difficult for me to preach. Hmm. Why? You know, because like Christmas and Easter, you get ramped up for all the special liturgical things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we practice, we rehearse with the servers. I, I actually spend weeks leading up to Easter practicing with the music director. Like I learn how to sing every Lent so that I can try to do the exaltet. And that's awesome. It, I mean, it's taxing because I sing the wrong way all the time. And then to try to sing the right way, it's takes a lot of effort. But anyway, so we do all this prep for all the special liturgical things. But you were in a band, like in a musical group. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in a few. Um, so we're just going to sidestep that. Go back and listen to all of our other episodes with Father Dufresne to understand that joke. Yes. Boy, you're really sending them back into mm-hmm. the archives. Yeah. So all of that prep gets done and we do the Easter fire at the vigil. We sit through seven Old Testament readings, which we're doing all of them this year, right? Fully we, participate in all seven of them. We fully participate. <laughs> um, we a, that's like a special, like a, now a special episode of All Set for Sunday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it gets to the homily, and I'm like, oh, I was thinking about everything else. Mm. But it really is. These big feasts... What, what really is there to say? Because it's the heart of everything we believe, right? So I always struggle leading up to these big feasts. And I think today I, I had a little bit of insight into why, in particular, Easter is so challenging. So do, do you all, I, I have a question. It's not a dumb question, I don't Ooh, think. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you all question. pray the rosary? Yes. Yes. So Not as often as I should, but I do. Well, I... Just to any of our listeners out there that don't, I highly recommend praying the rosary. Um, I was praying the first glorious mystery on my way down here. And, you know, with all of the mysteries of the rosary, there's generally some image that I, that I have when I'm praying it that I try to meditate on. Um, do you guys think about anything specific? Is there an image you think about when you pray with the resurrection? I have a hard time doing what you just described, which is like truly meditating on the, on the mystery while praying the rosary, which I know is like what you're supposed to do. But, uh, my brain, my brain isn't wired in a way that I do that well yet. I hope to one day, but I, I would say I find myself in a more meditative state while praying the decades, but then I don't know the mysteries well enough to not have to go back and like refocus and read 
Yeah. Well, well, there's actually an option. After you pray the Our Father, you can meditate on the mystery for a short time and then pray the Hail Marys, mm. if that helps. Mm. Um, or you can meditate. Anyway, we're not going to get sidetracked on a, yeah. how to pray the rosary necessarily. But I realized I don't have an image that I think of when I pray with the resurrection. I was like, what do I see? Hmm. And it's like, well, actually, I don't, I don't see anything. What do you think about? So that's what I started asking myself. Well, what am I thinking about? Good question. Hey, thank you. And I think that insight that that led me to is Easter is difficult to preach because it's difficult to describe concretely what the resurrection is and what it means, right? And what's interesting about that is all the readings we just went through, uh, well, primarily the first reading in the gospel and the sequence, they're all based on what people saw. So what we know about Easter, the resurrection, it's all about the eyewitnesses, right? Everything depends on those eyewitnesses, Mary Magdalene, Peter, John, right? Mm -hmm. the, the eyewitness, and then all the apostles in the upper room when Jesus appears on Resurrection Sunday, you know, the disciples on the, on the road to Emmaus. So it's, it's fascinating to me that this feast that we only know about and we celebrate because of eyewitnesses who were there, it's, it's really hard for us, or for me at least, to imagine or have an image that goes with it. And I think that's one bridge that's, that we need to cross if we're going to really fully appreciate Easter is how do I learn from these eyewitnesses when the resurrection is kind of this, this thing that's outside of my experience? Would you consider like the upper room and the road to Emmaus outside of the resurrection realm? No. So I think, I think there are certainly images, right? There's, I mean, you can think of a tomb. Sure. And we, we have some images from the scriptures that we just heard, like that there were burial cloths like rolled up, right? These descriptions that are very in minute detail, like which, which apostle got there first. Right. Like we have all these details. John. It was John. Um, it was John. Yeah. Um, the other apostle. The, yes. The beloved. The beloved disciple. So I think there are images, you know, a room that's locked with people in it, but Jesus still gets in, right? There are all of these things that we can imagine, um, but we can't experience the resurrection, like what it's really like until we get there, right? And this, this kind of puts us up against this, um, you know, what does Easter really mean for me? It's not like Christmas where it's like, I can meditate on holding the baby Jesus. Like I know what babies look like, right? Or I, it's not like I can, I have a manger scene, right? Mm -hmm. What, what is the equivalent of a manger scene for Easter, right? It is, it is striking that. So as you ask this question, I'm sitting here trying to think, well, what is like and the image, like the most clear image I have of the resurrection when I think is the tomb, but it's just, there's something striking about the fact that that image does not include Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like all of these include like so many of these don't include, they either include him appearing or him not being present, which like in itself is the, like the beauty of it. Right. Like you, you said that about the nativity, but, and I think you have the empty tomb, but like none of those characters are the baby Jesus. Right. Like I don't think of, 
when I think of the experience of the resurrection, I don't think of like the images of the resurrected Christ that we see in as, as icons in the church. Right. I think of an, of a time, like an, a situation where there, where he's not. Yeah. 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 I, I would say, I think most frequently of, and I can't remember the art. I'm not bad with uh, good at this, but the is a famous painting of like doubt, doubting Thomas, you know, putting his finger into the, the side of Jesus. And I, uh, it's in our office and, um, I identify with that a lot because that's, that's where like he was there. Like he was first person witnessed it, but still needed to put his finger in the side of Jesus. And the other part of that is like the resurrected Christ still has the wounds of the crucifixion and they're glorified wounds, but like in those wounds, we see the redemption and we see the possibility of being able to be forgiven of our sins and to move forward and closer to Christ. Um, but that's kind of what I identify with the most. Well, that's exactly where I'm going. Cool. The, the last Not part mine, of what you said Scott's there. got it. Um, good job. So good job. Good choice. Good choice. I want to so, side, I want to well, like side, side chat, say that I think we were, dangerously close to uh that scene from talladega nights right here where we were like i imagine jesus as a six pound baby six, six <laughs> yeah. pound eight ounce baby i jesus. imagine jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt <laughs> i mean i wasn't gonna formal say that. but he's here to party i know were you gonna say that no just the way we just kept both kept being like well i think of that's <laughs> funny so anyway. where where am i gonna go with this like it's interesting that easter is mostly this about this emptiness right there's an mm -hmm. empty tomb there's kind of a void of things that we can think of or latch onto that are like physical and tangible. And so what the question for us is what's going to fill that void? Like, because Easter is the hinge that uh, like, it's the thing that everything hinges on in our faith. Like no Easter, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, like St. Paul says it himself, like your faith is in vain. <laughs> so so what is going to fill that void for us? And it's the, really, there are two options. There's the option of doubt, like doubting Thomas, which eventually gets resolved. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, I can't believe this, or there's the answer of faith. And so in thinking about Easter, I'm really been, th I've really been thinking about what are the ways that we allow faith to fill up these gaps where it's like, I can't wrap my mind around this, but this, but this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. This is what the church has said, you know, from the apostles on down. Um, how do we let faith fill that void? Um, and it, it really is all about those eyewitnesses. Like in these scriptures, Jesus, like in the gospel, they can't even find Jesus, right? It's like, where they've taken Jesus away and we don't know where they took him. And at the end of the gospel, we just get there to the tomb and well, there are some burial cloths, but no Jesus. <laughs> right. And so even Jesus is missing mm -hmm. on Easter and we have these eyewitnesses. And so that's really what we latch onto these, these saints who show us the way on earth to get to that point where you enter into the resurrection. Right. And really the thing about the resurrection, they're all, you know, people have theorized over the years of like, from the very beginning, it's like, oh, they stole his body away. Right. Uh, and people have made up different theories right. since then. Well, the thing that really gives Easter its 
greatest credibility is that the people that witnessed this, all of them, except for John, lost their lives mm. over what? Preaching this message that Jesus yeah. had risen from the dead. And you don't die for something that you made up. Like right. You don't die because you took somebody's body out of the tomb and you hid it somewhere to play a trick on the Jewish authorities, right? That You just don't die for that. Well, and it's the idea that like a person doesn't die for that, but thousands died for it. Yeah. And like that, that concept even d just emphasizes it even more, right? Even if you want to go down some road where you think a person may have made these things up, and, but the consistency of the message, the consistency of the writings, the, of the history of the preaching is, is the piece there. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the, the thing that leads us into kind of the, the emptiness helps us take the leap of faith that the resurrection really asks us for is following these eyewitnesses, following their example, asking for their intercession, celebrating the sacraments that they received from Jesus and have handed down to us, right? These, the saints are the way, are really tangible because they lived human lives. They lived human stories, right? And mm -hmm. so the saints are this way that we can enter into this awareness of living so that we can expect the resurrection, right? Because it's hard to imagine, like, what is my body going to be like when it's like Jesus is eating, but he's passing through locked doors and like all of right. these things, right? But we know how the apostles live. Like, we know their stories. We know the stories of the saints. Um, we, know, we know the sacraments. Like, these are tangible ways that God has given us, these touchstones he has given us that help us to take this leap of faith. And that um, really where this really where this always leads for me is to that second reading from Colossians. Mm -hmm. Like those words, almost every day I think of those words, like for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Right. And I have to think about it all the time. There are times when I'm just like, do I, do I really want to take this meeting that somebody's asking me to do, or do I really want like to do this podcast? Can I do, <laughs> do I really want to do I this? I tried pod? to skip the podcast, or, but they caught me and they called and made me come anyway. I genuinely forgot. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, but then I read the reading and I knew So you're really going on something there. Seriously. But it's, Sorry. you know, it's when, you know, you've been hearing confessions for a couple hours. It's like, can I, can I do one more? Or when, you know, you get called to the hospital and you're in the middle of something and obviously I go, but it, you know, sometimes yeah. there's a human element of, gosh, it would be more convenient if they had called me yesterday. Right. Okay. And so, and it's like there, yeah. um, the, I mean, just being vulnerable here, that happens, <laughs> you know, probably no, happens. it has to. Oh yeah. And, it ha and I would imagine anybody, any priest who said it doesn't like, I don't want to say they're lying, but like, they, it, how can it not they could be like, holy? Yeah, they could. Yeah. <laughs> So I come Call back, serving a God. What do I come back in those two, in those moments? It's like, I've already died. Right. And that's actually true for like, I've already committed my life. And where do I find my life? Well, it's hidden with Christ in God who's already risen and at the right hand of the father. And that's true for all of us by baptism. Yeah. Like we've already died. And so what the resurrection truly gives us uh, is freedom. Like our, our life, like Christ has ascended to the father and he's taken humanity into heaven. And so now we have an inheritance in heaven. 
And so what the resurrection is telling us is you don't have to be afraid to die. Hmm. Like you're free. And okay. now, yeah. and now like what you were talking about with those wounds, like, well, we need, we need to be attentive to those wounds of Christ because that's what has saved us. It's like, well, what do we do with that freedom? We love God and we love our neighbor, right? Where, where do we find Christ's wounds? Like, in that hospital room mm-hmm. where someone's suffering. Like whenever I walk into a hospital room, I'm like that, that's Jesus on the cross. Mm. That, and when I tell people that about their family member, they're like, I've never thought about that before, but it's true. Like we're with Jesus on the cross there. Like what, where do we find the wounds of Christ? Like in the person that's in need, that's, you know, needs food, right? needs help, needs encouragement. Like, and so this is how we're with Jesus, who's like mysteriously absent and present, right? Like he's not present in the gospel that we read on Easter morning, but he is, right? Yeah, in the in the absence, he, like he's present in there, his absence. There's also that piece Are we of get like phenomenological here. Yeah, <laughs> there's because I know what that is, um, right? Super phenomenological. Super, yeah, yeah. Phenomenally, phenomenal, logical. Um, Speaking of people that need help, <laughs> I, I lost it. Let's go. All right. <laughs> All right. No, what were you saying? Sorry. No, I think I was going to say, oh, there's that, like, in my simple brain, you said it far better. In my simple brain, it's that idea of, like, he wasn't there because he had given us all the tools to not need him physically there anymore, right? Like, we didn't, he, they didn't need him present. We don't need him present physically in front of us because we can go receive him as a part of us. He is a part of us. He becomes, again, we've died and risen in him. So yeah, there's that beauty of like in his absence is that reminder of like, yes, we don't fit. He is physically absent, but he's continuously present. Well, and also he's present in Peter, <laughs> in John, in Mary Magdalene, like where we can guess that baptism had already taken place at this point, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, you know, there are two priests and a member of the church there. Jesus is there. And, uh, you know, two or three gathered in my name. And so it's this mystical presence of Christ that happens on Easter that kind of bewilders us, bewilders the imagination. This is actually the reality that we live in every day. Mm-hmm. It's actually the reality every day that Christ is risen. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. All right, Jeff, you ready for some dumb questions? I am. All right, Father, I have two dumb questions and then one like serious question. We got a listener question. I just got this email today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have one, we have one, I've, we've probably received four listener questions in, in the history of the podcast, but most have come from, uh, Laura Russell is her name. She's an amazing listener. We just had one the other day that we did. She sent it a while ago, but then we weren't doing the podcast and then we came back um, but this is a more, it's not dumb. It's a, it's a more serious question. I just want to prepare you because okay. <laughs> I don't want to say it's a dumb question, then read this and you just feel caught off guard. So, uh, Laura says, I work with people with developmental disabilities and a couple of people I see right now are having some pretty severe medical issues. They do not have the cognitive ability to be able to offer their own suffering for the salvation of souls. Since they are not capable of doing it themselves, can I, or someone else offer up their suffering for them? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, that is a really good question. 
I, I'm always fascinated by like the technicalities of grace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's phenomenological. Yeah. Like, can you bless the entire Lake Michigan and make it holy water? Well, that's a different kind of question, but okay. I, we'll save that we, for a dumb question. Yes. I would argue that somebody could, <laughs> but probably not me. He's not even at Lake Michigan. Um, I would definitely have to you, be How there, close do you have to be? But maybe a bishop could do that. Let's, can we focus Sorry. on Laura's question? Laura she asked a, a really good question. question. I was trying to give him some time to think. So I would think... <laughs> you weren't. You were distracting him. I, I would That's say that, that question of offering suffering, it's, it's really a question of our will. Um, and, and I think it would be important to, for, for someone like those children's parents, maybe if they're able to, or, um, or their caretakers, or even someone that's taking care of them to like, to offer the children to Jesus, like, and I, and then trust that he's going to accept, you know, he's going to receive them and any, any good that he can work from, from their suffering or difficulties, like he will, Mm. like there's, there's a beautiful, uh, there's a beautiful simplicity there that, um, you know, we say with St. Paul that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And so my, my advice in that situation, I, you might have to ask, you know, someone who has more of an expertise in this area about, can you offer someone else's suffering for them? Like I'm used to more talking about offering our mm-hmm. own suffering. But what I would say is, you know, the Lord is going to work any good that he can out of the the sickness or the trials of these young people. And I would think the most important thing to do would be for those who care for them to be offering them to the Father. Like um, just saying, like, Father, take care of them and trusting them to their patron saints, their guardian angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just teaching them the best you can to love God, like just telling them about God's love for them, encouraging them to love God in whatever way they can. And, uh, we know that all things work together for their good, uh, for those who love God. So that would be my, that was really good answer. Good that job. was really good. All right. Can you bless all That's of the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's it was a beautiful a be- question. That it was one a beautiful is answer. not a beautiful question. That's a <laughs> well, now we're back to dumb questions. <laughs> I would say, I would say maybe the maybe the a bishop that whose diocese butts up against Lake. How many dioceses could? do you think are covered so, by? So in, the lake has to be within your parish boundaries. I don't know. May, like maybe <laughs> you bless White River. I don't think the White River oh. goes through my parish boundaries. Thank goodness. There's no saving the White. If river. you bless water in a river that's moving, does it stay blessed when it crosses into other boundaries? I, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you guys want to hear an interesting fact? Did you know that Lake Superior is so large that you can take all of the water from the other Great Lakes six times and, and it would fit in Lake Superior? That is interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just, I just went on a deep dive yesterday on facts on Lake Superior. I don't know why. <laughs> the other one was that if you emptied Lake Superior, it would cover the entire surface of North America and South America with one foot of water. Hey. There's that much water in there. It is superior. That's pretty impressive. Right? Superior logical. All right. Second dumb question. Uh, Can can you tell us what would be the appropriate usage of a liturgical donkey? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, there, there's debate about this. <laughs> is there? there is debate. Uh, I don't know that it's of any consequence, but I'll share with you about it. Yes, that. So, I would love to hear this. So the the use Con- of a liturgical donkey with which I am familiar. Yes. Uh, is in- this a legitimate term? No. Okay. No. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> The, oh. the use of a liturgical donkey with which I am familiar is that on Palm Sunday, uh-huh. uh, when there is a procession from the blessing of the palms into the church, um, usually from another building, sometimes there will be a donkey that is at the front of the procession in front of the servers. Is this um, a traditional thing or a thing at your parish that has happened? Or does this happen like... There are traditions of this in different places i mean in yeah. in the readings on palm sunday it says that there was a donkey yeah, yeah. an ass but yeah so it's yes it does um so i think if your parish has an ass please email jeff at jeff at catholicconcepts.com you're gonna get a lot of emails i can't wait his name's bill <laughs> Just so um it's going to be from my pastor <laughs> saying it's me. Anyway. So anyway, the donkey leads the procession mm-hmm. and does not go into the church. I want to emphasize How does the donkey that. know where to go? Well, somebody guides the oh, okay. The owner usually. He said he leads. So <laughs> the donkey He's is the lead led. Docker. Um, so anyway, some have debated uh, that the proper thing to do... Yes. Actually, a theologian oh. um, told me that the proper thing to do would be for the priest to ride the donkey in imitation of Christ. I won't uh, say, but I feel very confident that I know who this theologian is. <laughs> and, but I won't uh, say it. And I differ in my opinion. I, I agree with here. this theologian. <laughs> and if it's who I'm thinking, he's pretty smart. And it's very be smart. pretty hard for you to deny. Yeah. Apparently, the Holy Father used to ride a white donkey on Palm Sunday. And so my response is, I'm not the Holy Father. Does that mean yours is red? Uh, no, it's just a brown donkey. you're a redhead. Yeah. I was joking. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Are there red donkeys? I don't know. You can do a lot of things with technology now. I don't know. So anyway, yes, the, the, use of a litur- the liturgical use of a donkey is open for debate because there's nothing whatsoever in the missile about using a donkey in the procession. I can't top that. That's good. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thanks, Father. All right. Ride this liturgical donkey out of here. Thanks, guys. Happy Easter. It's all right because I'm a It's all right because I'm a It's all right because I'm a Sunday.